0: That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 46. My dear friend Jenna reached out and said, hey, I had this gal come to my play space and give a talk about parenting and you guys will be best friends. You need to talk to her. So I did. I reached out and Jenna was absolutely right. I totally fell in love with this woman and she so graciously gave us her time to come on the podcast and talk about punishment and discipline and boundaries and how we can switch our mindset when responding to tiny humans so that we can be the people and parents and partners that we want to be. Uh, she and I are in such alignment. It was such a delicious conversation and she had so many nuggets of wisdom. Oh, would you like me to share her name? Irene McKenna, she has a parent coaching business out of Rochester, New York, and she's just delightful. She's also, if you're in the Rochester area, she's giving another in-person talk at Hippity Hip. So go check that out and sign up now cuz she's the bomb. Before we dive into this conversation, I wanted to let you guys know that I have one spot remaining for the Mama's Getaway Weekend in Vermont. So in March 15th to the 17th, six mamas are spending the weekend with me, all-inclusive food, drinks, the whole shebang. We are going out to dinner at this amazing, delicious James Beard Ward restaurant and it's just like a pampering weekend where you also are building your toolbox for raising emotionally intelligent humans. It's just like going to a parenting conference and then hanging out and making new mom friends and drinking some wine or Jacksberry cider and eating delicious food. It's really a dream. And we're really good at buying gifts or buying things for other people specifically, but investing in your own parenting. It just doesn't come naturally to a lot of folks. It's something we put on the back burner and we call it self-care and treat it as a luxury. But guys, this is the time to be investing in your parenting so we can be laying a foundation of success for your tiny humans, for you. You can have this. And I have one spot left. If you want it to be yours, holler at your girl. Come send me an email, Alyssa at org, and let's chat about it, man. This could be your spot. And if you are worried about not knowing anybody, I have mamas who are coming who don't know anybody. Some mamas who know a person that's coming. It, it's really, really varied. And most of the moms that are coming, I've never met. So I am very dressed and I would love to see you there. Come holler at your girl. All right. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Voices of Your Village. I received a text recently from a pal of mine, Jenna, from the Body Exploration episode. And she was like, I just heard this talk from this amazing woman. You need to have her on the podcast. And the more I dove into her website and her content, I agreed. And so I reached out and she so graciously is joining us today. Irene is here from Irene McKenna Coaching as a parent coach. Hey, Irene, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. It's a rainy day here in Vermont.
1: It's here too in upstate New York.
0: (laughs) Nice. It's a nice day to be inside in my cozies. Yes, Great. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and kind of how you wound up here?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, I my background is actually in physical therapy. I've been a physical therapist almost 20 years, but when um, and I've had the blessing of working per diem for the past like 8 when my kids were little, but when it came time to them to go back to school full-time, I just felt both a calling to do something different as well as at the time I was really stuck in my own muck. Um, I had two kids and 15 months apart and it was just, I was not getting myself back in a very, um, happy way, let's say. And that journey of kind of finding myself first led me to health coaching. I became a certified health coach. And as I dove into coaching, um, I kind of started peeling back my own layers, which was amazing. But then in working with, being called to work with moms and through like their health and self-care, I just felt like something was missing. And I just had a conversation one day with somebody who said I'm a parenting coach and it was kind of like this aha, like that exists. I kind of, I was the parent, I was not a peaceful parent. I didn't spank and things, but I did use timeouts and punishments and consequences. There was a lot of tears, there was a lot of yelling. Um, I kind of felt like parenting was something I was surviving. Like each age and stage was a challenge. I had to overcome that age, that stage, only to face a new challenge. Um, It's kind of like the evidence that I was failing was all around me, right? The dishes were in the sink. The clothes were, you know, in the the dirty clothes. It was all this pressure to be something, and it was just weighing me down. But I didn't think there was anything different. And so when I found parenting coaching, I actually was like, oh, this could be great for my clients. And I kind of used my intuition, found a program that really spoke to me where I was in the coaching realm working on mindfulness and who you are as a parent and the way it works is you dive into the program itself. And from like week one or two diving in, I was like, mind blown, like, Holy cow, this is a whole new way of being as a parent. And it completely changed my perspective on parenting and how we parent And in that it, rather than it kind of benefiting my health coaching practice, it became everything about me. Like my passion is, changing how we see parenting, how we think of parenting, how we are thriving as parents, and how we are supporting our kids to thrive.
0: I absolutely
1: love that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I saw a line on your website that just like spoke to my heart. It said, I felt like I was failing most days, but isn't that parenting? And I think so many folks are are in that, right? Mm -hmm. The everyday grind of surviving when they could be thriving, but they don't know how to get there. So Let's bring them there sister.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: okay. So what, when people come to you for as like a parent coach, what's the
1: why behind
0: this? Like what's the goal?
1: So the goal is a lot of times, right. They think they have to fix behavior, right? They think they have to change their child. Their child's not listening. They're not cooperating. They're kind of beating their head against the wall trying to to get these behaviors, I connect with parents either through, you know, like Facebook or I do um, the talk that Jenna had contacted you after where it's like opening eyes to a different way of seeing things. And so then they come to me, if they come to me from that place, it's kind of like, I didn't know there was anything different. Um, There's still this idea that we need to control, fix and manage our child's behaviors. Like we are creating this little person. We have to create this well-behaved, happy, successful child. Um, and it's that pressure to create. So it's kind of the idea that they need to change behavior is kind of the why, but it's it deeper than that is the idea that they're failing in some way. They are not being the parent that they want to be, whether it's because their kids aren't listening or because they're yelling all the time. There's just, it's not connecting and they want different.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. I similarly run like parent support groups and most people come to me with this. It's a behavior change we're looking for in our kids. Mm-hmm. And before we know it, we dive into how to change behavior in our kids, because if we don't change our response to them, they won't change their response to us. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, All right. So what was, when you were diving into this personally, and then now working with folks, what was the biggest game changer for you in parenting? Like what has really shifted the way that you approach kind of life in general with your tiny humans now?
1: Um, The biggest change for me was not taking their behavior personally. Mm. Um, They're they're not trying to get me. They're not trying to get away with something. They're not, um, they're not, behaving in this way because they care at all about my experience this is their experience they're struggling with something they need support um so the game changer was really how i saw them um and how i and i helped them you know through it i can even think you know two years ago my son you know throughout the you know I hate you. You're the worst parent. I weren't, Mm. I wish you weren't my mom, something he was angry about. And immediately it became, how dare you talk to me like that? Like that hurts mommy's feelings. We don't talk to people like that versus when it happened a few weeks ago with my, with my son, I was able to just sit there with him knowing it had nothing to do with me and just Mm -hmm. say, you know, I can tell you, you want mommy to know how angry you are with me right now, uh, how angry you are. Um, And, and helping him process his emotions because I wasn't clouded with my own.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's so huge. That's so, so huge. Uh, We often have a root emotion and we might on the surface be like, oh my gosh, that hurt my feelings. And underneath that, we're like feeling, I think oftentimes this guilt or shame or fear or disappointment of like, am I a terrible parent? Am Mm -hmm. I doing this wrong? And they just hit like a sore spot in me and now I'm triggered. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing
1: to be able to kind of work through that and see it. See it. Because while While as parents, in any moment, our feelings are completely valid. Like, we have these feelings. They usually have nothing to do with our child's behavior. They are from us, from our childhood, from our hurts. Because no matter how wonderful our childhood may have been, we were a child viewing the world from this limited lens. Making generalizations and interpretations based on that. So we carry with us these ideas or these hurts that then are projected onto our child
0: yes sister preach and even in adulthood right like we enter there are so many things that we're going to take in every single day and we they I call them root emotions or heart Mm -hmm. emotions it's like the emotion that is living on your heart and -hmm. it's usually not the one that we see you might we might see sadness or see anger On the surface, but there's a hard emotion underneath all of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, and same for our tiny humans. Absolutely. When they're mad at you and they're saying, I hate you. She's mad at you, but really he's feeling something else underneath it all.
1: He was feeling disappointed and sad that his brother got to go spend the afternoon with grandma by herself and I'm not loved as much as my brother and this isn't fair. And as soon as I gave him that space to feel angry without being judged, And i said to him because he was saying you know go away and i said you don't you you want mommy to go away because if you look in my eyes and you see how much i love you it will be hard to stay angry because anger is a defense Mm -hmm. and he did he opened the door like a minute later and threw himself into my arms sobbing about this isn't fair why is this and being able to feel that sadness Mm -hmm. that then washed over him and then washed away because he was safe to feel it and then he's like okay let's go play a game oh
0: okay. what a beautiful the hard part there that i have had to really work on is once they're done with it that and i'm not done i'm like when you just do this whole thing and now you're like let's go play a game right. as if that didn't all happen i haven't processed
1: this yet let's, yeah, exactly. let's stay
0: here for another minute or two so i can work through it. <laughs> right i'm not ready uh usually then i'll be like yeah i'd love to play a game i'm just gonna go to the bathroom real quick and then i'll then we can play yeah give myself that breathing space i love this oh you're speaking to my heart um okay so you're old you and you're on this path to becoming now new you right. what actions are required like what's the how in this how do you put this into everyday life when you're in the middle of the like dishes in the sink and the chaos in the life and the yeah. tantrums and the whatever
1: yeah Um, for me, the big catalyst was I had a coach myself, a parenting coach, and I stood in knee deep in that muck. And I remember um, saying to my coach, you know, in the middle of it, you know, I got myself into this. I don't know if people wearing earmuffs, if kids are listening, but (laughs) S-H-I-T show, how do I get myself out of it? Like I have to fix this. And it was somebody who stood with me through all that. Because I, I, you read books, right? Change feels hard. It feels scary. It feels uncomfortable. It feels messy. And it is. Um, it's kind of like you have an old coat and it's full of holes in it. And you know it's not keeping you warm. So you go out to get a new coat and you try on a new coat. It's a little scratchy. It's a little tight. It doesn't feel quite right. You want nothing more than to put that old coat back on, even though it's not doing you any good. But then maybe it takes somebody else to tell you, you know, that coat's probably not keeping you warm because we don't see our own things. So for me, that was the big game changer. But even as I continued beyond that time, it was, it's a muscle, right? It's a muscle. Change is a muscle and working it. In the beginning, it's conscious effort and it's being mindful and it's kind of being able to rework those thoughts. And I've done, so when I say, I mean, I've done, a lot of work on myself to build this awareness. Um, and I still, you know, find moments where it's like, I'm, I'm descending and now I, you know, I need to breathe, you know, breathe in. That was the big game changer for me is having that support and accountability to get through the really hard stuff, the really hard stuff of creating change because it, because it feels that way. It's very easy for us to, shy you know to to go back to the to the old way even if we don't like the old way because it's comfortable it's familiar and when we don't have somebody calling us out on that we fall into our default patterns we fill our schedule so full that we don't possibly have time to work on the program or read the book. We go to bed late because I have to clean the whole house so I wake up the next day so change I'm too exhausted to change. We all have we check out on social media or other things because we all have these default patterns and without Having somebody, now it could be uh, two friends going through a program together that you, you are, you know, constantly are connecting with to keep you on track. It's the same with, you know, hiring a trainer at the gym or having, you know, having a personal trainer or doing a program with a group of people because there's that constant check-in that I'm not, you know, it's the tough love when you fall off track, but it's also the cheerleading and celebration when things are good. It's having both of those.
0: I absolutely love that. I think that we often underestimate the power of accountability
1: mm-hmm. and
0: it, it plays such a huge role. I, I started off just doing these tiny humans, big emotions groups. It'd be like a one-time two hour group. And I found that after every group I was having people come and say like, what can we do now? Like, how do we keep meeting with you? How do we keep doing this? So I started a series and now it is almost everybody who joined my series has already taken a group and they Mm -hmm. came and they were like, Ooh, now hold me accountable. (laughs) Now Mm -hmm. let's meet and come back. And I think that wherever you find that, I mean, Rachel Hollis is doing this, like in last 90 days challenge and there's the accountability there, like wherever Mm -hmm. you can find folks who are going to hold you accountable and you're going to meet up. Not everyone can afford to pay for coaching and I hear that in my groups and all that. Mm -hmm. But find folks who are in this with you and are going to challenge you to go through this journey together in a place of growth and not just a wallowing in the trenches.
1: Right. Absolutely. It's it's the idea of having that group of people that support you, but having the people that stretch you Mm -hmm. and the people that stretch you and call you out. On those behaviors, who know what your default patterns are and can say, "Ah, uh, I see you doing this. You know, let's climb out." That are going to stand with you in that. Yes, it's huge. Mm-hmm. It's
0: huge, and I think like the the bonus and the huge power to to coaching or, or working with someone of expertise is when you don't know what else to do. There's someone there who does. Right? There's an expert in the room who can who's walked this path and has served in this capacity and can say, aha, you're stuck in this pattern. Here's another way you can approach that. Yes. Um, I absolutely love that. So I think the huge thing is that uh, we, in order to change tiny human behaviors, we have to change our behavior. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so hard. It's so much easier to be like, no, it's them that needs to change, right? Like yes. <laughs> this they yes. need to stop throwing a tantrum or they need to go to sleep on time or
1: they need to stop hitting. Right. And it starts with us. It does. And it, and it can be hard. It can be hard to admit that we're the ones that, quote unquote, have to change to create this transformation in our family. But it's absolutely true because who we are being is directly affecting the response we're getting from our child. And the only way we're going to create the behaviors that we want to see, the cooperation, the listening is if we are connected with with our child if they value our relationship with them as their top priority that's yeah. when the behaviors change
0: absolutely the collaboration has to start with connection right like we have mm-hmm. to we have to connect with them first before they're going to collaborate and likewise as adults if somebody treated us in that manner we would want to connect before we collaborate it's right' it's a very natural but we should treat our tiny humans to that as well. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything i feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour sometimes i'm just holding so much and i need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest i've noticed that when i don't release it it comes out anyway but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how i want to show up in the world BetterHelp is such a convenient flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit it's entirely online you can show up in your jammies always a win in my book and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com voices. Hormone Harmony is an all-in-one hormonal balancing solution for women of all ages. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier, and that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormone changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Hormone harmony is perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put your life on hold like hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas. Yeah, hormone harmony can help with all these things. And the biggest benefit feeling like yourself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code VILLAGE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code VILLAGE for 15% off today. So I want to dive in a little bit to the brain science because. I think oftentimes like folks are like, I am not a meditator or I am not like X, Y, and Z, right? It doesn't feel like it's a part of our identity or a part of who sure. we are. And let me tell you, I, that hand in the air, that was me. I was like, nah, meditation isn't for me. I was like a basketball player mm-hmm. and like it, it just felt outside of my comfort zone. Sure. I didn't know or understand or see the value in like even a minute of breathing, let alone five minutes, and mm-hmm. just how awkward and uncomfortable and all the things. So can we talk about the brain science of like the importance of finding your calm and kind of what's
1: happening in the brain? Sure, absolutely. So when we are reacting to our child, what's happening in our body is same as if a lion was chasing us through the jungle, right? The, the hormones, our neurotransmitters are flooding our body. And so our muscles tense, our breathing quickens, our you know our pulse starts to race. We are seeing our child, we are seeing this parenting situation as an emergency and we are seeing our child as the enemy. This is our biologic stress response. Same as, like I said, a lion is chasing us through the jungle. We are reacting to that. And when we react to that in that space, we are now entering our emotional brain. So in our emotional brain, we are not controlling our reaction. We are living on autopilot from old programming. And in this unconscious space, we are not choosing how we are, like I said, reacting to our child. So we are yelling, we are coming at them. We're not seeing them in that moment. We are seeing something that needs to be fixed and controlled. But what we also do is when we quote unquote come at our child that way, we are now sending them into their stress response we're learning is impossible. So we're trying to fix something, but we've shut down learning. So when we find our own inner peace first, we can, or restore it when it starts to kind of come up that way, we are then going into our logical brain, the place where we can be compassionate, where we can be wise, where we can choose our response to our child versus just reacting. And when I say reacting or or when we get triggered, so going a little bit further into brain science like Bruce Lipton and things like that is we the first seven years of a child's life, so us included, we are basically spent almost in this period of hypnosis, right? Where we are, it's been studied, our brain waves are actually at a lower frequency. So we are just recording, observing and recording, taking it in. We are programming how to be in a family, how to be in a community, how to be in a culture. We are being programmed with what it looks like to be parent what it looks like to be a child in that relationship because we don't come to parenting with a blank slate same as is our parents didn't come to us with a blank slate so we are projecting onto this the problem is 70 percent of the beliefs that we download are self-limiting disempowering beliefs um sabotaging beliefs so When, and then when we live 95% of our day in our unconscious mind, because if we're thinking about one thing, we're not thinking about how we walk, how we um, sometimes, I mean, how many times have you driven in the car and you're like, I just can't remember five minutes here because I've been focusing on this. So our unconscious mind takes over. So that's what happens in our parenting. When we get triggered, we are, it go into our unconscious mind where we are then driven by Whatever we believe as a parent, so a parent should always be in control is a big one, um, or a child should just listen and just obey, because, as I'm sure you know you you teach is that like our emotions, no one can create an emotion in ourself that doesn't already exist. So for example, if we get angry or frustrated when our child refuses to clean up their toys, we we have a belief on how a child should learn responsibility. A child should clean up. A child, you know, um, should be listening. So because we're operating from all of these shoulds, we're not actually seeing our child, what's going on for them in that moment. Because it starts with the thoughts that we have. Those thoughts create feelings. So we have a feeling around how this should be. And then that feeling creates our action. So it creates how we're coming at our child in that moment which then creates the response that we get so when we go back and we can change our thoughts in that situation and open up to different possibilities we then can change our feeling around it i had this conversation with my husband just last week because i dropped the kids off from school and i come home and he says oh they're really they're really trying to get a trying to get away with something or something like that and i said I I can see how you would feel that way. But if we think that they're trying to get away with something, then what do we feel? Well, we feel we need to control because they're not going to get away with anything with me. So then our action is to clamp down on that control. And then the response that we get is them fighting because what human, whether small or big, wants to feel controlled and demanded and commanded all the time. I said, what if instead we consider that they are – struggling this morning or they're doing the best that they can well then the feeling becomes how do I support them through that then the action becomes one of support and guidance and the reaction becomes a totally different experience
0: yes to all of it I'm just sitting here like nodding my head like over and over like yep yep I love this (laughs) yep uh I think one thing that can be challenging is the idea of boundaries and this is something I've run into a lot with folks is Mm -hmm. I I say like it's not a democracy it is a dictatorship here like this is we're not in a peer-to-peer relationship in caregiver Mm -hmm. to tiny human and it is our job to keep them safe to keep them healthy and to help them grow right and so how do we I guess like control that And have that control over, no, you can't have pizza for dinner every night because it's my job to make sure that you're healthy. Or no, you can't stay up until midnight every night because it's my job to make sure that you're healthy. And that's a part of being healthy. Um, So navigating those things, I, I think that that's where it can, we can run into like a challenge of Control, where we're like, well, what am I supposed to control? Because I've seen a pendulum swing to the other side of like kids calling all the shots, Mm -hmm. and my concern there is that they're looking like from a kid perspective, like they're looking for someone to step in and say, "I'm going to keep you safe. I'm not going to let you do that because I'm going to keep you safe."
1: Absolutely, it's our job, as you said, as parents to set boundaries to deny unreasonable requests to keep them safe to change to change behavior because in that kids feel safe. You know, I heard this video or story one time where you go to an amusement park and you know you get on the roller coaster and the guy comes by and he checks all the bars. Well how many of us check that bar again? Not because we expect it to give but because we want to make sure it stays. And that's what our kids need us to do. And I heard something when you were saying like well you can't stay up to midnight or you can't eat pizza. And the core of that was because it's my job to help you be healthy, to grow. And what you're doing without necessarily realizing is you're shaping those boundaries around a value. And when we shape it around a value, those values stay steady. They become our rock. How we get there can change. But here's the thing, we can set those boundaries and what we need to let go of is that our child needs to like them, right? (laughs) They don't need to like our boundaries. That's not our job to fix or make them happy all the time. They are allowed their own emotions. They are allowed their own experience. And this is where we need to get out of our own heads and work on ourselves so that we can not take that behavior personally and realize that we can hold these boundaries and then we can coach them through those emotions. I I get that, that you really want screen time today, but this is why we don't do it. We have set this boundary. You know, and I get that you want to do this and and empathizing with them, showing that you understand where they're coming from and coaching them through that. But this is where working on ourselves comes in, because if we have a fear of conflict from our childhood, if we have a fear of um, not being loved from our childhood, we are going to find it very difficult to set consistent boundaries. And when boundaries aren't consistent, a child, they are wired to test, right? They are wired to to go out and explore the world and test our boundaries. So when we're not holding those those firm boundaries with love, but firm and consistent, they don't know where the break is. So they're going to keep pushing. And what it's doing is it's creating the very thing that you're afraid of, which is they don't love me because they're fighting back or they're creating conflict. So we don't hold those boundaries, but then when they don't have the boundaries, they don't know where they are. That's when they act out in these behaviors because like you said, they just wanna feel safe. They wanna feel safe in where they are so that they can then explore the world.
0: Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love that. And I think it is interesting to think about like our social programming in this. And one thing that I find helpful is to know, like, if I'm gonna set this boundary, what's my expectation? Before I even set the boundary, what do I expect from this human? Because it's probably not that they're going to say, okay, sounds good, right? Like to expect that you're going to see a response from them mm-hmm. that is less than favorable. When I say, all right, it's time to leave the playground after giving you, letting you know in five minutes, in two minutes, when I right. say it's time to leave the playground, I'm not anticipating that that tiny human's going to say, okay, can't wait to get in the car. Like my expectation is that he's. Probably, or she, or they are probably going to express their disappointment at leaving the playground. I'm not there to reason with you. We're not talking about whether or not we're leaving the playground. I'm then going to say, I hear that you're disappointed. You don't want to leave the playground. Would you like to walk to the car, or should I carry you? Mm -hmm. Right, like you don't even have to fully process your emotion here. You don't have to do that. You can do that in the car, whatever. But the boundary still stands. It's not a negotiation.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yes, exactly. Where the flexibility and how we get there might change. Same what works for bedtime. We have a bedtime of eight o'clock because I value your health and that means you get good sleep. Do you want to shower first? Do you want to have bedtime snack first? Yeah. How you get there can change. You're giving your child some ownership over the process, but knowing that you're holding firm, there's some structure there that they can lean into knowing what that looks like. Yeah,
0: that's huge. It's so huge. I love that. And, and I think a lot of these, you know, we, we don't necessarily plan for where we'll set a boundary and then we're like, Oh, don't climb up on the couch. And it was like an automatic. And we didn't know going into this, that we were going to set it. Yeah. And all of a sudden the kids climbing up on the couch and we're now we get into this like power trip. of like, well, I said you can't climb up on the couch. Right. And this is where I think being able to get out of that amygdala brain, the feelings brain, and into the prefrontal cortex where you can have rational brain is a game changer. <laughs> yes. Because that pulls right. us out of the power struggle.
1: Exactly. We're not arguing. And, it's, and depending on their age, they may not be able to say no to that impulse to climb on the couch. Mm-hmm. And then we have a decision to make. Am I going to... And this is where we kind of, as parents, we think we have to hold on to these things with a stronghold okay, well, if I'm sitting right next to you, is it okay to climb on the couch?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and we get to decide where, you know, where we can create that flexibility. But yes, taking ourselves out of that flexibility, it's not us against them. They are not continuing to climb on the couch as like a dagger at us. Like they are right. not like, you know, I'll, I'll hear like, well, my one year old like looks at me smiles and drops food on the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, how's that not? But it's, but it's like they are not able to make the distinction between knowing something's not right and actually doing something. They don't have that impulse control yet. Right. But when we are seeing it as taking it personally, we're automatically thinking when they could be saying, hey, mom, look how gravity works. I just dropped my food again. <laughs> right. No? Right. Versus well, seeing it as this big power struggle. And then we can decide, okay, well, if I don't want them throwing food on the floor, do I take the food, you know, do I take the food away? But when it's not a power struggle, it's how do I support them and guide them to this future behavior? Mm -hmm. Because that's, that's the difference like discipline and punishment, right? Discipline is the idea of teaching a, a set of, a code of behaviors, and it's focused on the future desired behavior. And discipline or punishment is making someone so unhappy based on a past behavior. Well, the key to this is discipline, teaching, works on the thinking brain, the place where learning actually occurs, where punishment invokes that emotional brain in our child where learning's impossible. So when we can remove that power struggle, we actually have a much greater
2: chance of doing the thing we're trying to teach, right? You are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.
0: Well, and I would go uh, as well into the, like the behavior to say that even if they have the impulse control, it is their job to see if that actu- if that boundary is true, Like yes. right, right? Like that's their way of saying like, Oh, is this real? Like, are you really going to keep me safe? Are you really going to keep me healthy? Are you going to do it on Tuesday? Are you going to do it when dad's traveling? Are you going to do it when we're sick? Are you going to do it when we're tired? Like, is this the rule on Saturday too? Like that's their job. And that's got to be our expectation or else we're just going to continuously feel like we're failing.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. Because, you know, I said this, why don't they just accept it? But like you said, it's, it's, am I accepting this every day? They're looking for the holes. And Mm -hmm. if we can get out of our own head that they're doing that to kind of get back at us or punish us, but simply that this is how they're wired. This is how they learn to navigate their world that has nothing to do with our experience, but the expectation is that we simply continue to hold this. We have this boundary around screen time during the week here where we don't do, we just started as a school year where we don't do screen time Monday through Friday. We have movie Friday night. So that's kind of where we have it. So my son, my seven-year-old loves Legos and he loves, he can look up on legobrickinstructions.com, any Lego instruction and then like build it. So he wanted, it was like a Tuesday, he wanted to build something. And here in my head, I'm like, oh, but it's educational. He's learning something, but I had to hold that boundary. And the thing is, because I had held it so well prior, it took him like two or three times, of. but I really want to do this. And me saying, I know it's going to be so great when we do it on Saturday because I wasn't taking it personally, I was able to step out of that and simply hold that space that it's okay if you're not happy with it, but this is what we're gonna do. I can help you build something else. Um, And then he was okay with it. It was kind of like, oh, okay, I tested, I I bumped against it and Mm -hmm. it's still there. Like, okay, it's there.
0: (laughs) Right. And this is where like kiddos have learned with certain, I, I have a lot of parents who will say like, okay, well, my parents also co-parent with us or are part of our village or what if this isn't the expectation with this person or this parent or whatever they will learn what the expectation is with different folks Mm -hmm. and i think like you don't have to worry about what other people's expectations are going to be because they'll learn what to expect from you
1: yes exactly
0: it's huge okay so now, I got a lot of so I put this question out, always throw it out to my village when we're going to be doing a podcast episode, and I got a lot of like well, it would be nice to be able to do that. It would be nice to have a partner who works from home or it would be nice to work part-time and have the like time to put this energy in or it would it, there was always there were there were a lot of like reasons why I couldn't do it but other people
1: can. Yeah. Let's talk about this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. we all have these stories because our whole our brain, our primitive brain, its whole purpose is to keep us safe. And so we have these stories about why it's not possible and maybe it's because if I don't do it then I can't fail at it. Or if I don't do it and things don't work out then I don't have to deal with that judgment. So we create these barriers to it being possible for us because of these, these stories that are inside of us. Part of that programming, that same thing that comes out with our kids comes out in every area of our life. But creating space to make change is all about energy, right? When we have enough energy behind something, we open up the space to do it. And when things get where they are, get to the point where we really know when we, we need to make a change and it's all about creating that space. And then it's considering if I free myself up from all of the energy that feeling like I'm failing all the time takes for me or power struggles with my kids or fighting with my kids or yelling at my kids or clashing with my, my partner, if I can take all that energy and redirect it, what becomes possible? So it is very easy to sit in that space and see where it's possible for anyone else and why it's not possible for us because the familiar feels comfortable and I don't have to risk not doing it right or not doing it well or putting myself out there. I don't have to risk being vulnerable in that way if I stay where I am and I continue to blame my circumstances for the position that I'm in. Yeah, I absolutely. We all do it in many, many areas of our life.
0: Totally. Absolutely. I mean, from like eating to working out to whatever. I've done it a million times in, mm-hmm. in so many different things. And I think it, it just starts with that self-awareness of like, Ooh, I'm doing that again. <laughs> right. And, and just even noticing, even if you don't change it yet, just noticing those trends
1: in, in that, uh, like headspace. Right. Almost. I find the most powerful question you can ask yourself is why, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, well, it's not possible for me because well, why? Why, why is that not possible for you? And really, and then asking yourself why, like five more times. So getting to layer one, getting to layer two, and then just keep going deeper until you're like, oh, mm-hmm. that, and that is building, that's building that awareness.
0: Yeah, that's so huge. I absolutely love that. I think it's often annoying for people because they'll bring something to my plate and I'm like, oh, why? And then we go through it and I'm like, hmm, I wonder why that is. And then they'll just keep going and they're like, will you give me an answer? I'm like, we're getting there, sister. We are getting there. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I love that. Another one that I heard um, is this, another theme that I kind of picked up from my village was this idea that, well, my tiny human is me. And I'm seeing me in this strong-willed, quick to respond, quick to react, I'm going to call it actually, uh, tiny human. And almost this acceptance of like, that's my personality. And Mm -hmm. so now that's their personality.
1: Of course it is because they're modeling you. They're picking up, they're absorbing your energy, they're absorbing your programs. So the question becomes, do you want them to struggle with the same things you are struggling with as an adult, because you have the power as the parent to change that. And you're right, if you don't, they will grow up and quite likely they will be quote unquote fine. Um, I hear you know that a lot, I turned out fine. Um, and, And maybe despite how you were parented, you did turn out fine. But what I challenge people is, is what does fine look like? Because as adults, we usually say we're fine, but we lose it over the smallest thing. We're diving into the wine and the chocolate we, you know, we, we're not handling things the way maybe we want to. And we could say, well, this is just who I am. This is our personality. And like layers of an onion, right? Those are the layers that you've put over, put on yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're the same layers that your child is learning to put on as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I have heard this a lot in the topic of anxiety and depression that like, Almost an acceptance. I think it's awesome, this awareness of anxiety and depression, but almost an acceptance of like, oh, I'm, I have anxiety and then how this is generational, right? Like we now have a higher rate of, of anxiety than ever before. And, and so I'm over here asking all the whys and I, I, I genuinely think that like, this is a trend we've got a buck, right? Like, and it starts with us as parents to say, hmm, why am I feeling anxious here? Mm-hmm anxiety is getting stuck in the feeling of fear, right? You're having fear mm-hmm. about something and you're stuck in it. You can't see past it. You can't see past it. You can't cope through it. You're stuck in it. Mm-hmm. So do we accept that I'm just an anxious person and I have things that now I feel anxious about? Or do we work on that programming? I mean, like, so for me personally, I've shared a bunch of, about this on the podcast and, and in Instagram and all that jazz, but I'm a rape survivor. And there were things that, well into my mid-20s and whatever this happened as a child, into my mid-20s, I was still working with this fear. And I always, I labeled it as fear and not anxiety, but for me, that's what it was. I would get anxious when I was triggered by something that my programming had said, you're not safe in this scenario because once upon a time you weren't safe. Mm -hmm. But by was so that evening I was wearing button down jeans, right? Instead of a zipper fly. So, for over a decade, I couldn't wear button down jeans, or I chose not to wear button down jeans because I was triggered by it. And it, but that isn't why I was raped, right? It had nothing to do with the button down jeans, but that was a part of my programming. And so, I went into a therapist's office and was like, listen, I'm done living with fear and I want to learn how to not live with fear. So let's do this. Mm-hmm. And we went through all the whys and we got down to like, what was triggering the anxiety and how do I rewrite that story in my brain? Mm-hmm. How do I get to a point where I'm not putting on a pair of jeans and think, and, and feeling triggered, no matter what the fly is, right? Mm-hmm. And And it's work and it's hard, but That is an area that I I see a lot of folks saying, like, well, I just have anxiety, or I'm an anxious parent, and it doesn't have to be that way.
1: It comes from somewhere, exactly. Mm -hmm.
0: And it's something you can rewrite. I think we are often saying, like, oh, yeah, I have anxiety because of X, Y, and Z, and we might even know our triggers, which is awesome. But what are we doing to change that?
1: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: It's so powerful to just like, know. for me, it was powerful to have a therapist who said like, yeah, we can change this narrative. You got to do the work, but we can change this narrative. You don't have to live like this.
1: Yes. Thank you for sharing. That's a very powerful story.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that it's, it's huge to hear. And I'm starting to like, just see this trend of people talking about anxiety and depression more. And I think that is awesome.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: What are we doing about it? Because if we aren't doing anything, our kids are going to be talking about it too.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: Whew. That one gave me the chills. <laughs> the feel, I'm having feelings. Okay. So when you are working with your clients, like what is the most common theme that you're seeing where people are getting stuck or having like a hard challenge?
1: Um, probably perfectionism, right? The fear mm. of failure, the fear of failing as a parent, the fear of not you know, raising this child to be the the best that they're capable of being, to give them every opportunity, it's this you know this cloak of supermom um, that comes through whether you're a working mom, whether you're stay at home mom, whether you have one child, whether you have four. I think it's this idea of having to do it, having to do it right, having to do it well, having to do it all.
0: I absolutely love that. The like finding the perfect imperfections, right? That mm-hmm. if we're going for perfect we're going to leave every day feeling like a failure.
1: Absolutely. We have this ideal, you know, ideal expectation of who we need to be or who our child needs to be. And a lot of that comes from two things. It comes from our programming of this expectation of what a parent needs to do or what a child needs to do. And then it comes from what society tells us is the quote unquote good behavior of a child. You know, the child who sits, who listens, who's cooperative, who doesn't make waves, who makes our life easy. And then when we have a child who goes against that agenda, we are made to think we're not doing our job as a parent mm-hmm. um, to to create these behaviors in our child, which prevents us from seeing our child where they are and who they really are, and it it robs us that joy of really loving and connecting and parenting.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I. I think also kind of setting the expectation for ourselves that we're not going to respond a hundred percent of the time, the way that we hope to respond. And that's okay. Like we get to come back and say, I'm really sorry that I yelled. I was feeling frustrated and I should have taken space to feel calm. Let's talk about it again. Right? Like you get to go back. You can ask for a do over. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, actually my sister-in-law shared a story with me recently. Um, in a way that she had felt like she had failed in the moment Mm. and uh actually listening to her anecdote i she she had reacted to something and one of her twins had then started crying and had like a hard emotion about this and he felt guilty for her feelings Mm. and it wasn't even about him it was about the other twin and so she and then she felt guilty for him feeling guilty it was this whole like whole circle of feelings. And I was like, okay, so what happened next? And she responded in a beautiful way to him. And what he got to learn is that he also doesn't have to be perfect and Mm -hmm. it's okay to make these mistakes and how you respond afterward is so important, almost more important than the initial response sometimes.
1: Yes. I had this happen this past weekend. My boys are, so they're six and seven and they're 15 months apart. And they, uh, my one son was struggling with something all day Sunday and it led to some big behaviors. And the biggest way it was playing out was him taking it out on his brother. Mm. And at one particular moment, um, they were fighting like more than I'd seen them before. And I got scared that they were going to hurt each other. I couldn't, they're getting strong. I couldn't really separate them. So they, they were playing with forts and my, one son had this like lean to fort. And I took it and I threw the fort <laughs> across the room and I yelled because I couldn't break them up. And he stormed upstairs crying because I, you know, I took it out on his fort. It's not fair. And I went to both child, you know, both children individually. And I said, I'm really sorry. That's how I reacted. I got scared. I should have, you know, breathed and talked you through it and helped you. I got scared you were going to hurt each other. And this is what I did. And it wasn't wasn't right i would have liked to have handled it this way and and this is how you know we're going to move forward um and it gave us that chance to both talk about what had happened um and to give myself grace in that moment that um that i was having big feelings because even we as we help our little humans process their emotions we also need to acknowledge and process our own and in that moment i was feeling like I had failed. I was feeling like I did not react the way I wanted to. And I was processing these feelings of, you know, I grew up, my role in the family was to be the peacemaker. Right. And Mm so fighting and conflict gets to me. And I've worked really hard through that of not knowing exactly how to do it. It's not about the, how I need to separate my boys in the moment. I just need to connect with them in that moment. And, but giving myself grace to acknowledge those feelings, to then be able to breathe through it, to then go be able to respond to my child. Because if we respond where we haven't processed our own feelings, we're going to project those onto our child. I would have blamed them. Well, I threw the fort because you guys were fighting. Mm -hmm. I threw the fort. It's your fault. I got angry and Mm -hmm. and did that. But by sharing with them that I got scared. And so I reacted with anger out of that fear that you guys were really going to hurt each other and sharing that with them and processing my emotions helps model to them processing their own. I absolutely love that.
0: I I think it's huge. And it gives them the space to do this. And I think we can model it not just with our tiny humans and in conflict with them, but with our partner, with anybody, right? The person who cuts us off in traffic and we react and then we get to say out loud, even when we're narrating to ourselves, like what we wish we would have done or whatever. I think that it's, it's huge. I sister, I'm so glad you're doing this work. I absolutely love what you're bringing to the table. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation today. Where can people connect with you?
1: So my website is Irene McKenna coaching.com. That's I R E N E M C K E N N A coaching.com. I do offer one-hour complimentary, I call them possibility calls. So if you're thinking you want to create change, you want to see where to start, let's just have a conversation to see if what I offer can help you get there. Um, I also am on Facebook, Irene McKenna Coaching, and I have a private Facebook community um, called The Mom's Hive. It's for moms who want to be more, not do more, and it's about celebrating the mom you are today while giving you support and inspiration to become the peaceful parent that you want to be. So any of those places. Awesome. Well, we
0: will link to all of them in the blog post as well. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm super, super jazzed that you're doing this work and that we got to have our paths crossed. Thank you so much, Irene.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow: colon, Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you.
2: Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life?